Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good afternoon from Donington Park. It's 20 past four on Sunday. We've just gone off air on Eurosport 2. The British Talent Cup race is going on in the background, so there might be a bit of noise there. But James Whittam and Greg Haynes are with you. What a day. Yeah, actually brilliant meeting from start to finish. Uh, really good to be uh, back at Donington. Love this place. It looks a lot smarter than it has for years. Everything's painted and nice. The toilets are good. It's, uh, they've done a good job with it. Toilets are good. That's always important. Well, it is because it, it got while the whole place was looking slightly secondhand. But we all love the shape of the track. And, uh, you know, to have a bit of investment put into it and a bit of paint about the place and a nice entrance and the toilets revamped, I think it's uh, yeah, a good thing it needed it. <laughs> There goes the British Talent Cup in the background. We've got aircraft coming over at some points as well here. We're right on the flight path here, aren't we, outside of East Midlands? Yeah, you either get them on the approach or on the climb out, and I think we've got them on the climb out today uh, where we are, which is worse because they're under power and then make a lot, lot more noise when they're doing that. Right, where do we start with the racing? Let's just start actually with the smaller bikes, the Super Sport 300 bikes, while it's fresh in the mind. We've just done that race. Utter chaos, absolute utter bedlam. Yeah, and the chaos just wasn't today either. The chaos started in uh, uh, the wet two uh, qualifying sessions for A and B uh, groups. It was wet, it was slippy, uh, notoriously difficult to read in terms of grip is done in when it's wet. Um, and about, I reckon, um, across the two groups, I reckon about 25 riders fell foul of the fact that this place is difficult to ride in the wet. Yeah. Uh, lots of them went down the road, lots of front runners. Um, some of the front runners fell off that early in their qualifying session. They had to go then into the last chance qualifier. And what that meant was the grid was uh, a real upside down grid. You, you couldn't really call it. And then starting the final race today, uh, two of the front runners off the front row were put to the back for for having too low tire pressures in the random checks to do on the grid. So it was a it was a proper mess up. That's something that was talked about a lot earlier this year in BSB when Peter Hickman fell foul of that. Um, is that just a mistake from the team or are some of these 300 teams being a bit naughty and trying to run a lower pressure? Yeah, they're trying to run low pressure because it gives a little bit more grip, uh, but there's a limit. And if you drop even, you know, a tenth of a, of a millibar outside that or PSI where they're measuring they're measuring bar um, old money would be um, obviously pounds per square inch but if you even a fraction under that limit that's been set they'll they'll kick you to the back of the grid so that's what happened I mean to me uh, to allow for differences in the tyre pressure gauge that you're using and maybe what the ones your officials are using you put an extra pound in it ain't going to make that much difference 
Yeah, just in case. Okay, well, that's the 300s. Kevin Sabatucci, the Italian, very popular Italian, winning that one. Andy Vidoya, he's the star of the future, isn't he? So great race there. Anna Carrasco got taken down in an incident. It's pretty much, apart from Vidoya jumping up, status quo in the championship. Manu Gonzalez out injured, but he's still leading. Yeah, still leading, but his uh, lead is reduced. And it's a real close battle now for second in the championship. And I don't think that championship's over. And, and whatever, whatever happened, it was fantastic racing, incident packed and brilliant. Yeah, really, really, really entertaining and everybody okay with the looks of things. Okay, let's get on to this main talking point of the day. And then of course, we've got to come to Jonathan Ray and to Supersport 600. But this red flag situation we saw earlier on in the sprint race today, let's just recap what happened first of all. Peter Hickman's engine blew, didn't it? Down into the Melbourne loop, load yep. of oil went down. Yep. Yeah, Peter Hickman's engine blew uh, on lap seven, actually lap eight of the um, sprint race or Super Bowl race, whatever you call it. Uh, so it was well in, only, only a couple of three laps to go. His engine blew, spread a lot of oil, uh, starting off on the racing line, but then he didn't turn into the corner because he couldn't. So a stripe of oil went right off the track. Uh, several riders, including uh, Chianari, Rinaldi, uh, Mercado, Mercado Del, um, yeah. Del Bianco, all crashed on the oil. Cortese. Cortese. All crashed on the oil. Quite quick crashes. They went down on initial brake taps, so they were probably doing over 100 miles an hour. A lot of damage to bikes. Most riders seemed to get up relatively unscathed. Red flags went out immediately. Uh, and I mean, immediately. It was obvious there was oil down. It was obvious there was going to be a lot of mess to clear up. Uh, race uh, direction did a good job. Got the red flags out immediately. And that's it. The race was uh, obviously to all intents and purposes over. The leaders uh, included that included uh, Jonathan Ray and Tom Sykes were already around at Crane Curves when the red flags went out. They proceeded round under red flag conditions to the scene of the accident and Tom Sykes crashed on the same oil and didn't pick his bike up, walked back to the pits, went to the podium to pick his supposed second place up. The rule book was consulted and they um, actually excluded him from the results because he didn't get back from the incident or after the red flag within five minutes with his bike. He didn't even make an attempt to bring his bike back. I don't think he thought he had to do. He thought that the race was over, that being a red flag and a, and a result. Uh, so, yeah, controversy. The team went completely nuts as they would, uh, challenged it, as did Tom, and the result stands, he's out. Yeah, the rules are the rules, whatever your opinion is. And there's been a lot of opinions on that, haven't there, James, in the paddock and on Twitter. But yes, the rule is if the red flag goes out to be officially classified, you need to get on your own bike on the actual racetrack, not any other alternative route like your service road, but on the track back to the paddock within five minutes, back yeah. into the pit lane. What, what I would say is the rules there for, for every stupid rule, and it might seem that, but the rules there for a reason and the reason is back in the old days we'd have counted back a lap and that gives uh, the possibility of somebody who has crashed and caused a red flag actually winning the race yeah. which would seem even more unfair to me yeah. um, I mean it happened to me I won a race from the gravel trap uh, World Supersport race at Silverson I, t I took it but it didn't seem fair I thought I didn't deserve it. So you crashed, caused the red flag because of debris was it? Or? Uh, well they said that I didn't cause it which is why they gave me the result they said that what caused the red flag was um, the general condition, which was wet, got too bad to continue. So, I mean, I took it, but it didn't seem fair. Um, but uh, in this case, the, the, the rule is to stop somebody uh, getting a result 
after causing a red flag. So you've got to get your bike back and, and be counted as a finisher before you uh, obviously yeah. get the result. So it does seem unfair to Tom. Um, I don't think that it wasn't a decision by the organisers. You know, people are tweeting in saying, oh, bad decision by the organisers. It's not a decision. It, it's, it's the... That was Charlie Hiscott just leaving the venue. Some people are still busy at work. It's the rules. Uh, it, they just implemented the rules as they are. It, it wasn't a decision. So that was it. Uh, really unfortunate for Tom. He had a brilliant race. Quite fortunate for Leon Aslan because he got promoted to third. So I've had... There's been a lot said about it. Some people, as opinion is rules are rules, others that it's not fair to Tom. Um, you know, you can think what you want, really, but I've got to say rules are rules. What I think is that this there would be no rule implemented whatsoever if the, the let's call them the leaders or the people that had gone across the line first after the red flags, they'd, they'd had a whole lap of red flags and red lights. Yeah. They knew it was uh, over yeah. and they were still cracking on fairly quick. And... If they'd have been going really steady and the rule book says under red flag conditions, slow right down and be prepared to stop because the track might be blocked. No, it wouldn't have happened, would it? But anyway. They would have seen the red flag, wouldn't they? Well, and the oil flag. They claimed there was well, the out. lack of adhesion yeah. flag. They yeah. said, and it was there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was there. Yeah, we've got it on film, yeah. Unfortunate there to say the very least. And you do have to feel for Sykes and BMW, but as we said before, the rules are the rules. Hiscott's about to run us over. <laughs> Nearly did run me over. Do you think he wants, think, here he is. Saturday's car. Are you off? I am off. It's been a good weekend, hasn't it? It's been a fantastic weekend, hasn't it? Apart from you nearly running me over there. What did you make of the whole situation earlier with the red flags, the stoppage? Uh, I had no problem with it. They were all going too fast on a red flag. Quite simple. There's no, I got sent a, a message with people saying, I can read it to you if you want. I'll tell you exactly where they went wrong. Tyler Hiscott, of course, our pit lane reporter here and grid walker and uh, general Eurosport so, legend. So this was at Tom Sykes, but it applies to all of the riders, yeah? Um, plus 24 waving red flags starting at turn one and four sets of double waved yellows, waving oil and waving red. From turn 10 to turn 11 and, and 10 sets of red lights and received a red flag dashboard message at the first intermediate, turn three. The first sign of acknowledgement from Sykes was after turn four. So look, it, it, it's set in stone for me. Uh, it's yeah. really unlucky and I feel desperately sorry for Tom because he's riding fantastically, but you need to, this, this is what happens when you don't slow down on a red flag because you come around a the corner there's oil everywhere yeah i mean marshalling i think was good yeah. have no problem race control sorted it out fairly quickly it's unlucky but it's a red flag there are people out on the track there are cars on track marshals on track you have to slow down a little bit and that's a blind crest coming yeah, over yeah. there do, do, do you agree yeah, with exactly. Yeah. exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so apart from that i thought it was a fantastic weekend amazing swing in the championship yeah, I mean, who, do all the people who like to write off world superbikes and say Bautista's of a higher calibre, he's coming from MotoGP, what's your answer to them, Charlie? Wow, I mean... I'm not saying he's not a brilliant rider, by the way. I'm just saying, look how things can change. No, and also, um, you, you need a bit of luck as well. And Alvaro's not had a lot of luck. And I think he's... I think if he's got a weakness, it's he's slightly concerned about Jonathan. He doesn't want to end up on the track in the same place as him, because I think... Jonathan will wipe the floor with him. So he's pressing really hard to get away. And I think those mistakes are from him trying to get away from Jonathan too quickly. And yeah. now look at us, you know, Jonathan, how many points is he in the lead now? 22, is it? Oh, well, they told me. 22 points? So they calculate, they, they, they calculate the race results for all the races upcoming, right? Where they think they're going to come or where they think everybody else yeah. is going to come at Portimao, blah, 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 blah. They said at the beginning of the weekend, or well, they didn't say, but I heard, at the beginning of the weekend, they thought that by the time they get to Argentina, they need 26 points. 
right? Because obviously they think that Alvaro's going to wipe the floor in Argentina and Qatar with the two long straights there. Yeah. And they wanted 26 points, and he's already done it. And we know he's strong at Laguna, and we know he's really strong at Portimao. <laughs> so I actually, someone just asked me and said, oh, who do you think is going to win the championship? And I said, Jonathan Ray. <laughs> Which is bizarre, isn't it? After the, the I wrote a column after Thailand at the time. I still thought he would win. And I was beginning to think recently, oh, that might end up being wrong. I really don't know now. Yeah. Uh, the, the anomaly really is Chaz, isn't it? Because he's just struggling so badly. And I, 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 I guess a fair part of that, I think, is down to his weight. So his weight and his height and stuff, I don't think he's... I think maybe he's not necessarily fitting in the bike very well. And it's just very, very hard for him. So... But he goes, well, he was actually... I interviewed him just a minute ago and he was fairly optimistic. He likes Laguna, so I guess um, he just has to keep on plugging away. You're going to clean up your car, by the way. There's all sorts of rubbish in here. I'm just leaning through the passenger window of Charlie's Audi TT. What are you doing? I don't have time to clean my car. I'm too busy. <laughs> You've got to make time. You spend too much time in your car for it not to be a clean environment. <laughs> this is true, yeah. <laughs> but you're welcome to clean it if you want, Gregory. <laughs> I know you've got Roussair from Donna on the other side giving you some information. I'll go back to James. Unless Roussair wants to be on the podcast as well. No, she doesn't. Oh, she does. Does she? I'll let her talk with Tali for a second. Obviously, we work closely with the Dorna people. Oh, Matt Roberts has turned up as well. Do you want to be on the podcast, Matt? Oh, yeah, of course. Am I allowed? You have to pay me, though. Okay, I'll, what, what's, the, what's the day rate? 50 euros an hour. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> How are you? Tires. Yeah, we've had a good, uh, good long weekend. Uh, all the, you know, always is, but it, it doesn't half help when the, uh, the racing's as good as it has been this week and every class has produced something and the time flies, so it's always... It feels really worthwhile, you know, there's a couple of uh, rounds at the start of the year where you get to the end of the weekend and you feel a bit flat because the racing hasn't delivered or whatever, but that's definitely not been the case in this championship over the past few rounds. And really pleased for everybody here, for Jonathan, all the Brit British fans, uh, the organisers, you know, it really does have that feeling that World Superbikes is, uh, if not fully completely back to where it used to be definitely a step in the right direction there has been a really good crowd here and a really good atmosphere all weekend hasn't there yeah it's, it, it almost it, you can be fooled a little bit sometimes with the open paddock this year and you feel like god yeah it's really busy yeah. but everybody's in the paddock and that's why it feels so busy and then yeah. actually the attendance figures are not that high but just the shots on the tv of them uh coming down yeah. uh, top of crano you could see them all banked up there and it was like uh it's like the good old days when we used to come back here yeah. for motor gp you know and uh to get similar crowds, so I, I'm really pleased for everybody. I think uh, all the fans have enjoyed it. We've enjoyed it, and uh, roll on Laguna Seca. Absolutely. I'm just going to go back to James because Charlie interrupted us. Are you waiting for James to get a lift back? He's my driver, so don't keep him too long. Okay, we've I'm got. Get, I'm uh, going to put the kids to bed. <laughs> yeah, we've got about 15 minutes to go. Sorry about that. Um, Jonathan Ray, then we better talk about Jonathan Ray. Thanks, Matt. Jonathan Ray, what a weekend. I mean, he's done the treble. He's in the lead of the championship by quite a margin. Yeah, great weekend. He said, uh, we've just been speaking to him now, and he said that he just feels he's uh, been on the back foot um, really until Imola, where he started getting a little bit of his uh, kind of uh, mojo back, really. But um, when he couldn't win, he finished second, and that's really paying dividends now because, you know, even though Alvaro's had what is it 14 wins uh, yes it was wasn't it and, and yeah, yeah and Jonathan Ray's had seven yeah but yeah Jonathan's leading the championship thanks to those seconds and, and not jumping off and not getting rattled and having to finish second and, and doing that um, he's had a great meeting um, and uh, good, brilliant for the championship yeah and I think 
the championship just has a, a little bit of a um, a little bit of spice about it now, a little bit of a buzz about it. The racing's been good. Uh, the crowd here at Donington seems bigger than I've seen for quite a long time. They all seem happy enough. The weather's been fantastic, so there's nothing there's nothing uh, for Jonathan not to be proud about this weekend. He's done exactly what he had to do, and and you get the impression that if he maybe goes to a circuit where Alvaro Bautista and the and the Ducati you know get into the stride again and he can't win he, he'll be he'll be finishing second and then taking it to Alvaro somewhere else so it just it's got a nice nice feel for the championship actually at the minute while Teller was just sat in the car there I was leaning through his passenger window so I don't know whether you could hear everything he was saying James but he was saying someone asked him this afternoon who do you reckon is going to win the championship now and he apparently said to that person I actually think Jonathan Ray because of the points gap and the circuits we've got coming up uh, he said that he reckons with Argentina having a really long straight and Qatar, Bautista should have a good advantage there. What do you think now? If I asked you who's going to win the championship, who would you actually go for? I would, uh, if I had to go for one person, probably, I uh, shouldn't say this, but probably still Bautista. I just think they, they have got some good circuits coming up for him. Uh, he's had a little bit of bad luck, but there again, then you think he's had a bit of pressure as well, and maybe it's the pressure that's caused a little bit of the bad luck. So yeah. I, I, I would just about come down on the side of Bautista, but it's going to be close. It's certainly going to be a two-horse race between Bautista and Ray anyway, um, as what happens. Love to see uh, Ray take it to Alvaro and win the championship, but I think it is going to be close. Other manufacturers this weekend, Van der Mark, I thought did a great job. He needed top tens, he wanted top tens, he got them. Uh, Alex Lowe's has been a bit of a struggle. We would have expected more from Yamaha, I think it's fair to say, without yeah. sounding too harsh. Yeah, I think that um, Alex Lowe's was started in uh, qualifying where he, uh, it, well, he started before that. He started in FP1 because he threw a bike up the road down at uh, Krinikers. That put him on the back foot a little bit. Uh, then he didn't make the best of the iffy conditions. Uh, he slid off the bike again, got back on it had to put his fastest lap on uh, in on wet and um, yeah so pretty much back foot still for Lowe's I think he could have had a lot better meeting than this I think he had potential to finish on the Rosten twice uh, three times and I think he knows that um, so yeah I think he would have been pretty disappointed but you know he, he scored points I think in uh, Vandermark's case I think he had a cracking weekend I think that he could have easily not been riding here I think when he did ride he got past fit I was surprised and then I'm really surprised when he ended up scoring points and top tens because to ride with what is essentially still a broken wrist when it was going to be out for six weeks is a fair effort around a circuit that is probably one of the most physical on your upper body in the championship. We discussed Ducati, Charlie was talking about Chas Davies a bit there, so that's covered off. Uh, Kawasaki, good to see Haslam up there, regular podium finisher now by the looks of it. Yeah, I think. For me now, Leon seems to be doing just about what he has to do to stay in this championship for next year because who else are you going to get that's going to do a better job than that? I don't think anybody at the minute. So I think he's just about, he's doing what he has to do. Because top rack is coming, but it seems like from what we're hearing, he's going to stay in the Pachetti colours with full factory support. So we might have three factory Kawasaki's on the grid next year, potentially. Yeah, top rack's the find of the year, really. He's riding really well. The progression, he's, uh, his team say, is exactly what they expected. Clearly got a lot of talent, clearly, clearly going further than he is now. But I think Kawasaki already have plans for him, whether that's his own team run with the Red Bull sponsorship or wherever it is. I, you know, he's already taken care of, I'm fairly sure, by Kawasaki. So Leon might just end up staying in this series for next year. 
Let's see, moving across then we've discussed Yamaha, BMW. Now, Sykes' afternoon was completely messed up by what happened earlier on, wasn't it? Because that put him 10th on the grid for the last race yep. when he would have been second. Yeah. Do you think he could have challenged for the win in that long race this afternoon? Uh, I think he'd have been somewhere near. I certainly think, looking at his pace mid-race, he'd have been in with that leading group of four that was going around for the majority of the race before Ray and Raz Gatlioglu uh, just pulled away a little bit uh, last four or five laps. Yes, I think he'd have been in with a shout. Would he have won it? No, but I'm, I'm fairly certain there would have been a Rostrum, another Rostrum for him. So, desperately unlucky for Sykes. But the positives to take out of it is that they were running strong. The bike looks brilliant. It looks quicker than it was before, even though they say they've no engine grades been fitted, upgrades been fitted. Um, it looks fairly quick. They didn't. I know this isn't an horsepower circuit, but the time you get out of coppice, you've only, you're only on the throttle for two seconds before you get the bike to start to stop for foggy S's. So it isn't an horsepower track. But his bike looked fairly sharp to me. It didn't look you know, desperately slow. So it's, it looks a good bike now, especially in the hands of Tom Sykes. Uh, quick mention for Ike. Yeah. Eatman uh, uh, drafted in at last minute. Uh, I thought he had a fantastic meeting. Other than the, uh, the fact the bike uh, blew up in the sprint race, I thought his uh, result in the wet uh, yesterday was exceptional and he did his stock no harm at all with the BMW stuff. Yeah, you've got to feel for Reiterberger actually, haven't you? Who's not only ill, apparently on a drip in a hospital in Germany at the moment with some sort of infection or illness there. We're not quite sure exactly what's happened, but best wishes to Reiterberger. And then somebody uh, jumps on your bike. Exactly. Who's, who's supposed to be a road circuit TT exactly. man, not a short circuit man, and goes and does better than you've done all year. It's uh, yeah, hard to take for a rider. I think the conditions did sort of play into Icky's hands in that respect a little bit, but Icky had a good weekend. Just back to Bautista, because we didn't really cover that in major detail. What went wrong for Bautista this weekend? I mean, he's been up there all season long. He qualified his worst so far, which was P6, which isn't bad, but it's his worst so far. Uh, uh, and obviously only finished on the podium once. Yeah, well, what went wrong was that hor horrendous crash in the first feature race yesterday because it was wet. This place is notoriously difficult to read and difficult to ride in the wet. Uh, grip levels are difficult to suss out. He fell foul of that. He had a, a massive crash down at, at Starkey's Bridge. Real big wet weather, lazy eyesight, flung himself to the ground, dunked himself on the head, knocked himself about, big fast crash. Yeah. Um, so that was his problem. Um, in the sprint race, didn't really make the start much. And then in the, the, the second feature race, got through reasonably well and, and looked fairly strong and got a rostrum. I, I think. He was, a, he was in the group, wasn't he? He was fair. in the group, yeah. We're running fairly strong. Uh, fourth place for most of that, but looked to have the pace to stay where he was. Um, but the weekend really started going wrong for him when he flung himself over the bars in the first feature race yesterday. Yeah, thank goodness he wasn't hurt because A, for his safety, that would have been a nightmare. And it also would have been a nightmare for the World Championship. It would have absolutely wrecked the season in some ways. Yeah, he's fairly resilient. We've seen him crash a couple of three times now this year. It bounces up like a rubber man. He doesn't seem to get hurt that much. Little fella, little fellas tend to bounce a little better than big fellas. Uh, and what was really pleasing to see was after his after his podium, his Rossum in uh, the second feature race earlier on, well, just a couple hours ago, he looked happy. He looked uh, pleased to have salvaged something from what was looking like a really bad weekend. Uh, he was smiling. He was shaking hands with the crowd, and uh, that's that's a that's a really good thing. We haven't seen the last of Alvaro Bautista this year. It's been a long chop.
Is it fair to say that Jonathan Ray did win it, but Ducati also lost it a bit this weekend? A bit of a combination of the two factors? Yeah, I think that's true. They could have, uh, uh, by way of damage limitation, I think they could have done a better job, could Ducati, but through yeah. no fault of their own, really. That crash he had yesterday, Alvaro Batista did nothing wrong whatsoever, and that's the problem here. Uh, and in the way in general, at any circuit, you can be doing exactly the right thing at exactly the right time, get caught out and go flying down the road, when you didn't really deserve it. So, you know, he, he just fell foul of the conditions for me. I'm just trying to think whether we've missed anyone out, James. Completely unscripted podcast, as always. We've got to speak about uh, Supersport 600, so let's do that first, then we'll conclude at the end. Um, intense race. Joel Cluzel coming through. Great victory for him in the GMT 94 team, and a very sensible performance by Karakasuda there to finish second, pick up the points and he's closed in now on Krumanaka. Yeah, great ride from Krumanaka coming through from way down on the grid. He took his time, he worked it out time-wise pretty perfectly, uh, gave himself time to get to the front group steadily and have a go. He didn't really have the pace. Once he got to the back of the group, he found it difficult to pass. Uh, Mayas had a really good race, really, really good race. He led it early on for quite some laps. Um, Clazel looked like he wanted it more than anybody else. Uh, Mayas' tyre went off towards the end. He'd used a slightly softer tyre and that went off towards the end and robbed him of, of, of much of a chance of the win, really. Um, and uh, Clazelle had, had a great day, but so Krumanaka came through really well. Uh, Clazelle, I thought, did really well to win it because Caracasolo's difficult to beat in those conditions. He'd sussed Clazelle out. You knew he was going to have a go. It was close enough to do it. Clazelle couldn't get away. He had a bit of a punt, got in front. Clazelle tucked up the inside. Caracasolo went a bit wide and, and Clazelle got the win. Really good win uh, for the team and for Clazelle. Really pleased to see it. Everybody seemed really pleased after that race. Krumanak had come through, knew he still had the pace to win the championship. He was happy. Mahias didn't look happy, but he said he was happy, even though he never smiled. Because uh, he said he, he, he's finally getting the pace with the Kawasaki, got to groups with the Kawasaki, and they know where they need to go with it now. Uh, Karakasulo pulled a few points back on his teammate for the World Championship, and Clazelle got his uh, first win for quite a long time. So, yeah, um, good, good race it was, cracking race. Just four more things really to touch on, James. One of them is Loris Baz and Tenkati Yamaha. I thought they're doing a great job. I mean, they're, they're putting the other Yamahas in the shade quite frequently, especially in the wet when they're right up there. Another fourth place this weekend. Yeah, brilliant race for them. Um, he, Baz is doing exactly what he's been paid to do. He looks, uh, he looks really good on the bike. The bike looks like they've got work to do, but he's doing really well with it. Um, looks like he's enjoying himself. The team is really compact and small compared to what it ever has been in the past. We've seen that Tenkata um, set up and hospitality grow out of all proportion. Huge yeah, setup it yeah. was until last year. Uh, now it's like almost like dad and lad racing. It's a little hospitality, little truck, uh, and, and not much by way of staff. They're certainly not overstaffed, uh, but they're doing a good job, cracking job, and it's good to see him back in the paddock. TV moments of the weekend, maybe the side saddle of Alessandro Del Bianco yesterday. I like Del Bianco. Do you know what? I've warmed to him. I've talked to him. I've seen I him. I told you. I, yeah, you did, and, and you're right. What a breath of fresh air that kid is. He don't care. He's a little bit dangerous, if you ask me, but he's having a go. <laughs> he said he's on a bike that isn't that competitive, and he doesn't know where he's going because he's not been in the championship before. He's trying to impress. So, he's, yeah, what can he say? Brilliant. There's, there's something else I wanted to ask you about. It's like side note here, but we've had Moto E starting this weekend over at the Saxon Ring. Nicky Tooley, who we know really well from this paddock, has taken pole and won the first race there in Germany. As a man who is very interested in the engineering and the mechanical side of bike racing and bikes in general, what's your feeling on these electric machines? We're seeing them at the TT. We're seeing Moto E now. Do you like it? I think I think electric vehicles are the way it's going. Um, 
for me it doesn't have the noise and the smell of, of the of the the sort of petrol engines if you like the internal combustion engines uh call me a bit old-fashioned in that respect but um it, listen if the racing's good it'll be good to watch it'll be it'll be great i mean i think they're a little bit heavy at the minute because they've got to carry a fair bit of battery um i think the technology is there um i think they, they, they very trick things um if the race is good i'll watch it Tudy's pole lap, I don't know whether you've seen it, through the left-handers before the waterfall corner. He was spinning up the rear and smoking it. It was amazing. Quickly then back to World Superbikes before we go. British National Anthem, God save the Queen in the background there for the British Talent Cup race. We don't know who's won at this point, do we? But Laguna Seca is obviously coming up now in just a few days. That's a massive logistical effort to get pretty much everything we've seen here on the TV this weekend in the top class, that is. Yeah. To Laguna in three days. To Laguna, days. yeah, three days it's to get in three days, yeah. Uh, so 500 miles, I think it was. Sorry, 5,300 miles. miles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it is big logistic uh, effort from the organisers. It's been done before, though. Um, Laguna's a cracking place. Uh, quite an old school circuit, uh, up and down. Obviously, it's got the famous cork show. I loved the place when I raced it. And uh, I think most of the riders are looking forward to getting there. I think Jonathan Ray's looking forward to getting there because he thinks his bike is going to... Uh, he's going to perform well there and, and so did Alvaro Bartisi he touched on the fact that he thinks Laguna will be a circuit with the Kawasaki so Jonathan Ray's lead off the top of my head I think he's 22 points now do you actually see it going up by the end of uh, next weekend I think uh, I think Jonathan Ray will want to extend that lead there because I think it is one of the circuits he will see as being one of theirs not one of the guys yeah knowing that Bartisi is going to close up later in the year correct thank you very much You'll all be listening to this from Wednesday onwards. By then, James would have been in Scotland because as we sit here on a very nice warm Sunday afternoon, lovely afternoon actually, you're off to Scotland tomorrow, aren't you? I am, yeah. Um, uh, setting off around Scotland with Neil McKenzie and Ian Duffers and Brian Morrison and Ian Simpson and uh, who else? Uh, Ian McPherson. We have a, a right old racers, old Duffers ride around Scotland every year. I'm going on a, a, a big old touring bike and uh, that's got a top box on it. But it has got heated grips, so that's good. Uh, and I'm going to have a, a good time. Thank you very much. I'll see you at uh, the Laguna commentary box. Cheers, Greg. Thanks very much, James. It's been a tremendous weekend here at Donington. And I think everyone will agree that World Superbikes is finding a new lease of life at the moment. It needed it and it has got it. Now, Laguna, we won't have live free practice coverage on the Friday because from those overseas rounds, the host broadcaster doesn't actually uh, stream that on the satellite. So although we'd love to do that, we're not able to, I'm afraid, but we will be live for all of the Super Bowl action and the race action on Sunday evening. And of course, Saturday evening, first of all, if you're watching in the UK, Laguna Seca, what a coup it is for Superbikes to go there. And we'll speak to you through the telly on Saturday. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 